0: You're listening to the voice of Rowan Prof Sports. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS FM proudly presents Offsides. A weekly roundtable
1: discussion about the world of professional sports. Featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Sports Director, Jack Miller. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM Online, RowanRadio.com Channel 2. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Offsides. I am your Wednesday host, WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller. And to my left and to my right are Aiden Dock and Sam Prince here for this episode of Offsides. We have a lot of NBA talk today as well as some hints of NFL talk for this upcoming week and some fantasy football talk as well as the Offsides Top 5 today will be fantasy football related as well. So we'll get into that a little later, but... Doc, Prince, welcome to Offsides here on this Wednesday. Uh, we have a lot of Rowan supports going on. Uh, field hockey just won their game today. Basketball for the women's get started here at home. Uh, you also have football ending on Friday. Blue coat starting up on Friday. Uh, there's a lot going on, but how are you guys feeling here as the sun is starting to set and is pretty much set here in Glassboro?
0: I'm feeling great. You know, busy life, but... Busy life is a good life, in my opinion, so having fun, and you know, we're here on this Wednesday, and like you mentioned, you know, it, 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 you look outside, it's it's dark at 5.02pm Almost.
1: most. Yeah, we are <laughs> talking on Monday how uh, we're already getting tired at 5 o'clock, yet we have about <laughs> about seven more hours if good you day. go to sleep at midnight uh, for the rest of your day, so it's, it's uh, the seasonal uh, depression is starting to kick in a little bit, but... Uh, the seasonal mood swings, but uh, we have some sports talk to get to. As Joel Embiid, the MVP of the 2022-2023 NBA season, dropped 48 points against the Washington Wizards. Uh, what a standout performance for Joel Embiid! And I want to just get right to you, Doc, because you were there yeah. at the Wells Fargo Center that mm-hmm.
0: night. I mean, it was it's just special. I mean, it, you know, we can talk about sports and and just talk about. You know who's better than compare two players and compare who's better, but there's just I'll always appreciate watching Joel Embiid, especially in person, just his commitment to his craft, the footwork he always puts in. He somehow comes back better every year with soft touch, and I love watching him play defense and just the way he energizes the crowd and plays through the crowd is just it's it's beautiful. And I'll always when you sit there, I think you guys can probably relate. When you sit at a game, you almost stop thinking of the. You know, comparing the athletes, like who, like who's the goat between LeBron and MJ, like all these comparisons, and when that's what I kind of felt when I was watching Embiid. You know, the narrative around him isn't pretty uh, due to last year's playoffs and and previous years, but just sitting around and watching him, it, it's still you got to remind yourself that it's a gift. And it, it, watching him in the city of Philadelphia, you know, he won't be here forever, so you got to appreciate why it's still there.
1: Yeah, he had forty eight points, eleven rebounds, six assists, and only thirty one minutes. by yeah. the way, which is. Highly impressive. Wish but, the
0: Wizards were good enough to keep it close. You could have had, like, 60 if you wanted.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is the Wizards, they're uh, an interesting team. They're last in the Eastern Conference, 1-5 in, mm-hmm. uh, in the NBA. And Jordan Poole was supposed to be this guy that was supposed to be the the man and the guy that's supposed to have a breakout season. He was the the guy that everyone was saying he is the one to break out of the shell this year because he was being held back by Curry uh, with the Warriors. Now he's not being held back by really anybody mm-hmm. besides maybe Kuzma, yeah. but still he hasn't been putting up numbers. Sam, as we thought that Jordan Poole would be putting up.
2: You know, once when the trade went down this past summer for Poole to go to the Wizards, you thought that he was going to be in conversations for Most Improved Player or maybe even All Star team, but he's been so far to say. I mean, there's only been six, seven games the NBA for each team so far, the most disappointed team so far
1: this season. Yeah, I mean, he's getting the second most minutes on this team, uh, at least against the Sixers. Tyus Jones had the most minutes with 33, but he only had 12.6 assists. Jordan Poole had 23 points with 6 assists in 31 minutes, and Kuzma, within the 30 minutes that he had, had 28 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists against the Sixers, but... Doc, what do you think is holding back Jordan Poole a little bit from reaching this breakout all-star potential that we thought we were going to see this season?
0: Honestly, I think you have to look at the system because he's a player that sometimes when you look, you're like, that's not maybe the smartest shot, that's maybe not the the best attack uh, to the basket and i feel like you know it's going to be a little bit of a marathon for him to be a breakout player like i think he can get there but early in the season you still see some of the woes of of why the warriors got rid of him and replaced him with you know a 38 year old point guard on the end of his career you you see that at times but then you see the the moments and the flashes where you're like yeah this guy could easily win the most improved player uh just with volume i think for him you're going to have to have a coach get in his ear a little bit and and uh, find the way he can play to dominate, feel comfortable and play his game because his game is something where, you know, he's going to take the the shots that maybe shouldn't go in, but he can make them and find a way to find a good balance uh, between him and and some of the other players on that team.
1: And Sam, it's not like he's not not trying to become this most improved player guy. I mean, he tried to do one of those no-look threes that Curry's done before where he shoots it and then looks away, one of those look-away threes. But that didn't go in. Um, but he's he's at least trying to do this. It's it's just something not clicking with him and the Wizards.
2: Well, Jack, let me stop you with the no look threes. Always Steph Curry
1: could do that. True. But he tried he, he's, he's he's trying to get his confidence up, is what I'm saying. You know,
2: yeah, the Sixers have only played six games. I'm gonna give him a bit of a doubt, maybe he's still gonna adjust it to his new team. But I don't know what's wrong. They're giving him the ball. It's not like before you could the excuses were oh, He's behind Stephen Clay. He's not going to the ball enough, but he's the guy for Washington this
1: season. He is the guy for Washington. He's only 24 years old, and he's been just averaging, at least for his career, he's been averaging 15.8 points per game. This season, he's averaging 28 minutes, and with that, 18.5 points. So it's, it's his career highs at this point, but it's not that 20-point mark or maybe even – like 23 point mark that we all thought that we were gonna see from him and just have this really good click with the Wizards and it's just not there right now and uh but I want to go back to the Sixers because he's still because Embiid dropped 48 points and he's still in this MVP form even without Harden. Harden got traded away to the Clippers as he made his mm-hmm. debut the other night. Um, but uh, Maxi has also been reaching. He he's he's a guy that has been reaching the hype that we thought we were going to see. And, Doc, we were talking this off-air before we got on uh, in here, uh, that Maxi was—the biggest question for him was, was he going to be able to play make, mm-hmm. And he has been. In the last yeah. game, he had 11 assists to help out with Embiid's 48 points.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's doing kind of not the same stuff you see Harden do because, you know, the system is a lot different now, thanks to Nick Nurse letting me— enjoy NBA basketball and and have good spacing. But, look, he's done it. He's made the right decisions. He's made skip passes. He's made some, you know, tight window passes that have been completed for Bucket's uh, layups. And, like, Embiid's been getting fed just like he was with Harden. It really – Hasn't been too much of a change as of now, obviously. And I'm not saying Maxie's as good as a playmaker as Harden is, but he has been doing the job, and it's been it's been an, honestly a team effort. Usually last year it was kind of like a Harden effort to play make. It, it feels more of a the team's picking up on assists. Embiid's getting more assists. Maxie's getting more assists. Even De'Anthony Mellon's all of a sudden getting like five assists a game. Yeah. Um, and it's been it's just been a team effort, a team system, and, and I think that's just why you know Sixers fans are a little. Especially me as a Sixers fan, where well, I'm a little more happy. Uh, you know, given the past, you feel like you should be down on this team. You know, like you know, they're just gonna get eliminated in the second round again. But it just feels like they they play fun basketball, and he's a big part of that. You know, he plays with a smile, and he's fast, he's energetic, he's athletic, uh, and he can shoot the lights out. So he's a fun player to watch, and you put him next to Embiid, and he's answered all the questions so far through uh, six games.
1: He really has, and These two guys are going to be fun to watch together since Maxie's going to be more involved. And this will be uh, kind of a showing for them against the Celtics, who they play tonight. Uh, It's an Eastern Conference semifinals rematch tonight uh, at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, Kind of that Game 6 rematch since they were in the Wells Fargo Center for Game 6 that you attended, Doc. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they played tonight, Sam... And they're both 5-1. and one. How do you think this matchup goes down where both teams are 5-1? and one? Jason Tatum has been super consistent as well. Jalen Brown has been really solid. They've been trying to click with Porzingis as well. Drew Holiday's been a huge involvement. But um, the entire Sixers team and Celtics team, these guys have started to mesh a little bit pretty early, both 5-1. and one. Who do you think comes away tonight with a victory?
2: Well, the... The best team of the NBA is going to come along with the victory. let the Sixers? Boston Celtics. Oh, okay. The Boston Celtics <laughs> will be beating the Philadelphia 76ers, and they are an all-around better basketball team. Yes, Doc, you're going to hate on that, but they are.
0: Sure. Uh, I, I don't really disagree. The Celtics, to me, uh, on N1, I said that uh, I think the Celtics get to the finals. But they're the better basketball team, but the thing that the Sixers can get on them is that they are the smarter basketball team.
2: Okay. And also, Joel Embiid, who's been who's been playing like the MVP for last year, who hasn't really been himself against the Celtics in the regular season the past couple of matchups.
0: Um but the the his last the last matchup of the regular season before the playoffs, you know, he had uh, how many points was it? Was it did he get fifty? I forget. But did he got he, he, he yeah he 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 sealed the MVP with that win. No one else was scoring but him. It was like him and like PJ Tucker hit like three straight threes, and and that's that that's what. You know, and he had an all right postseason against Boston. He had like three 30-plus point games to end the series until Game 7. Um, you know, he's and they also got rid of Robert Williams, which was kind of a big impact on him defensively. And they also got rid of Doc Rivers, who was arguably the Celtics' biggest help defensively on a B with poor spacing, and P.J. Tucker as well, where, you know, they no one... P.J. Tucker is a very good corner three-point shooter, but... They're willing to give him that every possession, and that's just kind of what the Celtics did to haunt and beat a little bit. But now, so, uh, you know, the Sixers have surrounded and with four shooters most of the time on the court at all times.
1: Yeah, and with this Celtics uh, Sixers rematch, it's definitely going to be something fun to watch. It'll probably be one of the most fun regular seasons uh, season games we've seen all season so far and i want to talk about some uh, two centers that have met each other already and switch things over to this rookie of the year race that we're going to be in the midst of all season long between Victor Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren okay. because these guys are really top-notch rookies that are going to have huge impacts for the Spurs for Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren for the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder that these guys are in the running for Rookie of the Year at this point and are just the guys that you don't want to mess with uh, when it comes to just rookies, Doc. And this is going to be fun to watch because they've already played against each other. When Benyama, um pretty much had the upper leg on it. It was in the preseason, but yeah. uh, but it was still fun to watch these guys collide with each other in the preseason.
0: Yeah, I mean, Wembenyama, he's just... <laughs> he's He's something... I mean, you. We obviously all probably heard or watched even the the Suns game he had thirty eight points. Thirty eight points, and you know, Chet Holmgren is you know one of the best defenders in the NBA already from day one. Uh, that's just how good he is, and seeing him grow offensively. Like offensively, he's had some good games already, and that's just a battle to watch. I mean, it's two teams that are on the rise. Uh, OKC has a little bit more of an advantage due to them having you know SGA and J Dub and. all that help around Chet but these are two teams that you might see face each other again just like they did in you know the the 2010 11 12 like when it was Kevin Durant OKC against the Tim Duncan Spurs Like we might see another kind of era of Spurs Thunder basketball coming up soon and you know it's it's just kind of cool to see those two teams kind of come back on the rise and you know, just seeing those two teams play on, like, ESPN platforms is cool. You know, they they get the the main games.
1: Yeah, and Sam, we've been talking about a lot of different NBA players from different conferences now, but there's been one common thing about all of them is that, or at least three out of the four of them, that they're all big men. It's Joel Embiid we've been talking about, Victor Wembenyama we've been talking about, Shet Holmgren we've been talking about. All three of those guys are power forward centers in this league. And usually, if you were talking to me around five years ago, that conversation would have been around small forwards like LeBron and Kevin Durant and stuff like that. Maybe even some guards with Westbrook and Curry. But now this era has switched over to the tall big men of who's the best in the league.
2: You have this tall big man conversation in the very early 2010s with Dwight Howard being one of the best players in the NBA. When he took the Orlando Magic to the finals, I believe it was 2010. You had it in early 2000s too, but this conversation is being switched back to the big man. It's kind of great to see, you know. I've always had an appreciation for the big man, but we also have to see how long this lasts because to see how long these guys are durable for. Because the yeah. past, these centers and power forwards haven't been as durable as the small forwards, the guards, and. 10 50 years plus.
1: We'll see what happens. Yeah, and Doc, the Chet uh, Holmgram got injured last year, and he's a rookie this year because he was injured for the entire season this year. So he has a point with the whole injury stuff.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, injuries are always a concern, but they're a concern for almost everybody when you 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 are these type of athletes i mean we're watching damian lillard kind of recently battle a lot of injuries just not the big ones but look big men look you're the the main thing why big men get injured you're not supposed to be that tall and if you're that tall you're not supposed to move that fast and you're not also you're not built really for your own body but look they have great trainers and you know check out hurt but look though big men to me also i have not been injured as much recently. I mean, there's been small injuries, but Embiid hasn't had a major injury uh, unless you want to count the MCL in uh, 2021. But other than that, he hasn't had a major injury since his rookie season. Jokic never gets injured. Um, trying to think of who else. You know, Victor, I mean, there's really been no no news about him having any previous history. Chet did obviously have this one missed year, but all the big men. Giannis is very healthy. Um, yeah. So... You know, it's almost like a myth. I don't want to call it, but they almost kind of create this fake narrative that injuries have. Hey, you're right. Affected every yeah. big man because MB yeah, Embiid went through it, and I guess he's like the poster child for you know big men get hurt a lot. Even though he really hasn't had a major injury outside maybe the MCL since his uh, since he stepped foot on the NBA basketball court.
1: I feel like one of the big men that had that do get injured a lot is that. First one that comes to mind is Kevin Durant, but he's not even considered one of the. He's yeah. not considered a big man. He's considered a forward, and he's and 6'11". he was very
0: durable up until you know the the last year with the Warriors when he had the Achilles issue, hmm. uh, yeah. the strain, and that turned into a full tear.
2: You know, that's who my pro cop of Victor Valbuena was. Was Kevin Durant? Wow.
1: I mean, be... I mean, you saw that picture. I don't know. I don't know if the listeners saw it, but <laughs> yeah. that picture of Kevin Durant versus Wembenyama. It looked like Kevin Durant was. Uh, a six-seven guard or six or <laughs> yeah. a six-eight forward or something, but no. Durant's almost seven foot, and Wembenyama's mid-seven foot. What is it? Seven six? Maybe. Yeah, seven yeah five?
0: I think, he, I, think they, I think he's officially seven five. I want to say. Yeah, but he, uh, he, yeah, he made Kevin Durant look small. Man. He's seven it's, four.
1: Me might be seven five. Though. Yeah. but yeah, it,
0: that's with shoes he's seven five. Yeah, with shoes he's 7'5. <laughs>
1: <seven laughs> but um, but yeah, this it's crazy how the eras have changed though from from guard like it can change at any point because it was centers yeah. at, at one point with Hakeem and Shaq and now and then it went back to the guards with yeah. when uh, Kobe came along and um, it went back to the center with Dwight Howard then it went back to forwards um, with Kobe, uh, LeBron and Durant even like Wade
0: if you want to count him as a small yeah, forward even as exactly. shooting guard so but-
1: it's, al- it's always been different change of pace of who has, like, of which position has all the attention.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you look at it, that big men used to be all kind of similar. They're like, outside the outliers with Shaq and Akeem, they all used to be, you know, they can defend the rim, they can, you know, make layups. And all of a sudden, you start teaching these big men how to make passes, how to, you know, have great footwork, um, how to do everything. And then, you know, I'd rather have a Jokic or Embiid over you know, one of the better guards in the NBA. Um, the only one I would really debate is Steph, because, you know, Steph's, you know, gravity is just off the charts. But I think big men, you, you taught them how to play like guards, and they're taking advantage of it because they're also the best defenders in the NBA while also being capable of having elite offensive games while, you know, you normally guards, when you talk about that, like the Steph Curry and Harden era, even though we're still in, you know, the Steph Curry era, I don't think that's over. But, you know, when you look at when Harden was in his prime and Steph was, you know, just coming on the scene, you know, those were guards that really couldn't defend. Um yeah. there weren't awful defenders, but they weren't the bet one of some of the best defenders in the league, which MB Giannis, Victor and and you know, like guys like Chet will be or are currently one of the some of the best defenders in the NBA and that's just where you kinda saw the shift.
1: So, we're going to take a quick step off here. We've talked a lot about NBA with uh, mainly some Sixers. Then we got into a little bit of a tangent with the NBA. We're going to come back to the NBA. We're going to come back to the current NBA stuff uh, of who's hot, who's not. And then we'll also get into the Thursday night football matchup as well as some fantasy football um, acquisitions that we should be making or who we should be dropping from our teams. But uh, when we come back, we will talk about all that uh, stuff when we return from offsides. WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar. Located at 900 Delsey Drive in Glassboro, Italian Affair offers traditional Italian cuisine in multiple dining areas, including an outdoor patio. Established in 1988, Italian Affair also provides catering and private party options. For more information, the phone number is 856-881-2121 and the website is italianaffairglassboro.com. Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar is proud to support the programming on Roan Radio 89.7
2: WGLS-FM.
1: Skipping through your playlist again? Let us handle the music. Weeknights 6 to 8 p.m. on Pop Flavor. We play all of your favorite top artists. Hear the hit tracks that are trending right now. Plus, we'll keep you up to date on the latest in entertainment. I don't care. Join us Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. for Pop Flavor on Ron Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM and online at RowanRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Offsides, channel 2. I am your offsides host for this Wednesday edition uh, I'm, I'm My name is Jack Miller, and uh, next to my right and to my left is Aiden Dock, to my left and to my right is Sam Prince. And guys, we were just talking about the NBA of Joel Embiid, how he's back in that MVP form, dropping 48, and then we were also getting on a little bit of a tangent with uh, how the center position has been a huge involvement uh, with the NBA this season, and for the past few seasons as well, as Giannis and Jokic have won. The past four MVPs, and and also Embiid won the previous one, so five straight seasons with a big man winning the MVP, and then how we how there've been a huge impact in the NBA as guards and forwards were for the past twenty-ish years. So, but we're gonna talk about the current standings of the NBA and who's a surprise, who is not a surprise. But to me Doc, there's been a lot of surprises on this list with the Mavericks at six and one you have uh the Timberwolves at four and two they're in fourth in the West and then you also have the Rockets who are three and three and this is just all in the West but going to the Eastern Conference, Magic and Pacers also in the middle of that playoff pact as well. Both of them are four and three so there's been a lot of, struggling teams that were struggling last year that have found a good rhythm so far this season
0: yeah i mean the one team i looked at that you mentioned is the mavericks honestly i you know last year they went out kind of sad and i was like wow one of the best players in the world luca donk uh luca is just really not going to make the playoffs or not even the play in and you were just like this could get ugly in dallas but they they got it they brought back Kyrie. they signed grant williams which has been a great get for them and they obviously tried to get Matisse Dibble well as well, but they might have dodged a bullet with that one. But that's for another conversation. Yeah. But, look, they just played good ball, and I thought maybe this this could be a team where I'm afraid that they would have headed down the wrong road uh, within the next year or two. But, I mean, it is it is just seven games, and I don't want to say that you know they're going to be some great team, but I'm very excited for them in the Western Conference. Also, the Pelicans, uh, they, they've played the Nuggets well. The other night, sadly, they, they just couldn't come away with it. And them, we'll and another triple double. How yeah. can you stop that, you know? Yeah. And then a lot of West teams I'm just really excited about. I mean, you look at the Timberwolves as well. I mean, I think the Timberwolves have a big issue with look, sooner or later Cat's gonna have to get moved. Um but I just love watching Anthony Edwards. He just he's just one of those guys that you couldn't tell him that he's gonna lose the game. Like he's gonna go out there and he's gonna he has that attitude, and it's just what I love. And it feels like I'm watching, you know, I don't want to put this pressure on him, but, like, I feel like I'm watching a younger version of, you know, Kobe Bryant, like, mentality-wise. Yeah. And, and he's also amazing. He's averaging, I believe, 29 or something of that. He just dropped uh, a 31-point game the other night, and he, he carried that team against the Nuggets in the playoff series and got them a game and was also ball in the whole series like he's he just can't can't I love watching him you can't tell him that he's he's not gonna ever win a game
1: yeah I mean Ant Edwards is also just a a fantastic athlete as a whole I can see where you're coming with that yeah so with but with Cat it's kind of a little bit of a setback
0: you know yeah they gotta ride with Gobert man they gotta put him at center
1: so Sam I turn this to you do you think Cat gets traded by the trade deadline no but should they though that's the that's the see, whole that, that wasn't the question it yeah. was will it? should <laughs> yeah yeah but i know i'm he's just he's going to follow up yeah Matt's going to okay. follow up so
2: is should they though oh absolutely he should have been traded this off season. oh absolutely probably maybe.
0: he maybe has the worst contract in the nba that's why he's hard to move where where
2: yeah. realistically do you guys see this Timberwolves team actually Chicago this year
1: this year uh, i mean if they first, keep, round. Yeah, first round? yeah yeah first round as as they usually do, but I see them as another first round exit. Yeah. But if the problem you, is, <laughs> that's that's their biggest setback. But they gave them such a large contract because they had quote unquote so much trust in them. Mm-hmm. But they don't have. But there shouldn't be that much. Looking at it now, so it's just a hard contract to move around
2: with. When you think of players that are going to be the number one guy and going to set your franchise over the top, my first people I don't even think of are Cat. I think of him as a very good two role. But I don't see my option. I,
0: I don't know if he's even a good two. I I think that's kind of where it's derailed. I mean, it's been kind of sad to watch him over the past couple years. I, I I still think he's a very he's a productive NBA player. Is he overpaid? Yes. Does that mean he's bad? No. But he's he still can be a good stretch uh, five, and he can make some plays. He can have those nights where he gets you you know the twenty five points, maybe even thirty points. But you're giving him super max money, and you're paying. That's what they gave him. You're paying yeah. maybe a top forty player, top
1: ten money. Well, I mean, and it's not Cat's fault. It's it's credit to Cat
0: for it. I don't know. Yeah, he earned it.
1: hey shout out to his uh to his agent, I guess. Agent, yeah, <laughs> but it's just Cat needs to go somewhere else, and I'm looking at just some of these teams, and I don't know where a good fit for him would be either.
0: Honestly, I've I've kind of always feel, even though it's a basic answer, I always feel like the Knicks are like the top spot for a guy like him. And I would say Sam's Nets. The problem is I, the last place I would want to be in the NBA is paying Ben Simmons and Carl Anthony Towns that money. Uh, that's, that's like putting yourself in a dark, dark situation. I
2: was going to say the Nets. Uh, not, not the Nets. The Knicks. Yeah. You've always seen these rumors on Twitter. Oh, Cats could be a dick this off season. Cats could be a dick. <laughs> but it's bound to happen eventually.
0: I mean it, it makes sense. Like they have Brunson, they have Randall and you could you could you could use that player uh at the 5 and you know Mitchell Robinson's all right. Shout but he, he likes Aaron playing Huck.
1: that 4 too. That's a problem this is it's like the rebounds for Cat sometimes doesn't get to him. Yeah. That but that makes him not that center that you would like because he's focused. He's so offensively motivated as a center that it doesn't help him. It's it's like I'm trying to th- describe this in Jokic perspective because with Jokic he he does everything. He does both rebounding, he will get you the defensive plays, but he moves the ball, he can put the ball in the hoop. He does it all. Cat is only focusing on one aspect of the game and that's scoring. But that's not what a center needs to do because yeah. a center also needs to get rebounds, needs to play defense. He's con- And because of that, he's become, honestly, a liability on this Timberwolves team.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's not a good defender. Like, you mentioned Jokic. Jokic isn't a good defender, but he's active. Like, he's an active defender. So, you know, a lot of th- – one of the biggest things I always say about defense is it's like 90% effort. Now, if you're just – in Jokic's case, if you're just not the most athletic – and you're just you don't have the ability to jump up high and meet someone at the rim for a block like that's that's not on you but cat cat can do that yeah but he's not active he, he it's just again he in his career there's been a lot of pushback that he's quote unquote soft which i don't want to say about him i i don't think he's soft but i think that maybe he he hasn't been pushed in the right direction of the mentality aspect of what like what you said you know the rebounding the instead of just being a stretch five which he loves to do and in, in his defense he's one of the best maybe the best shooting center ever but that doesn't mean he's Steph Curry and that yeah. doesn't mean you got to hold yourself to that role like he could be so much more because he's he could be an offensive weapon but he he kind of has limited himself maybe it's not him maybe it's the coaching with Chris Finch and all of them over there in Minnesota and I'm sure the Rudy Gobert trade didn't help him when it comes to being that true center, but some of it is does fall on him. Uh, but we'll have to see how the rest of it plays out. They really didn't play too many games together last year anyway due to injuries, so yeah, maybe they're just trying to give it another shot.
1: Well, uh, how does Ant Edwards go around this then? Does he have to move, or does he have to stick with Minnesota and wait for Cat to move? Like, this is kind of like a stalemate between Ant and Cat, Sam, because I feel like one of them is kind of waiting for each other to move in order for the Timberwolves or their team that they're going to move to to succeed, and themselves as well. Well,
2: that's a good question, Jack. I mean, if you're the Timberwolves, you build Ant, but you're not going to succeed. Ant's not going to succeed with Cat on this team. If I'm Ant, I have a just talk with management. I just tell them how I feel.
0: Come to Philly. <laughs> I would. Oh my God, dude, Maxie, Ant Embiid. You just trade every every pick, every, every pick. everything you got, man. I would, I would, <laughs> I would sit in front of my my TV with tears in my eyes every night that I get to watch Maxi Ant Embiid. I'm telling you, I love, I love. And Do you I think, think Ant should move? I maybe not, not should not I just mean, to Philly. Yeah, but I'm I know. saying to anywhere else. See. I don't like the way Minnesota runs. Even though they did get um, the one guy from the Nuggets uh, before last season to come over and be their uh, president of basketball ops. I forget his name. I think it was Calvin something, but they got him, and and I don't think he. I think he he built. I mean, pretty much built that Nuggets championship roster. He just left the year they finally won it. Um, but he did everything else. He got the core and all that, and I think he did a good job. But you know, when they trade for Gobert, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I thought it was smart, but I thought it's because they were going to move off Cat like kind of quickly. But he's well, still here. When
2: you trade for Gobert, you give him four first-round
1: picks.
0: Yeah. yeah. The market was, in their defense, the market was insane at that time.
1: Yes, it was. But four first-round picks? Yeah, four first-round I'm first thinking round. maybe one. The worst
0: part about it is Walker Kessler being in that deal. Yes, yeah, Walker that, Kessler is great.
1: Walker, Ke- Walker Kessler is great at this point. And he has been a very big unit for this jazz team and looking at this jazz team though they haven't been the hottest two and six so yeah which is weird because they added john collins
0: they have you know good coaching with will hardy who came over from the celtics they have obviously our marketing isn't like a one-year wonder he's still performing at the level he is they have walker kessler colin sexton it's just you know sometimes the ball doesn't go your way like it did last year and they kind of carry that momentum and we might have to start looking at the Jazz as a, as a big team come trade deadline. You know, Larry Marketing could possibly be a, the biggest acquisition of that deadline to a team. Yeah, because uh, you can kind of play, you can kind of fit on any team. There's no real team that has like a true like a a, a true power forward that you wouldn't move off on. Like there's exactly. there's only a couple teams, and and like obviously one of them is the Bucks, but you can also. Play Larry Markkinen with Giannis, so you can always find a way to get him on the court. So he's someone that I'd be paying attention to if the Jazz continue to slip uh, personally.
1: And Sam, who do you see as guys to keep an eye on for this trade deadline that is coming up in February? But I mean, we have a long time to. You get never to know. This. I mean, we
0: got the heart in the trade. Some stuff might start happening a little earlier
1: nowadays. So yeah. So Sam, who do you think is in this trade market this season? We talked about him
2: earlier, Kyle Kuzma briefly.
1: Because you see how these
2: Wizards are doing. They're 1-5 through the first six games. If they're on pace to become the worst in the NBA, trade one of your guys, Kyle Kuzma, to a team maybe like the Nuggets. I was just a Clipper. Clippers, where they don't have any assets. I could hmm. say the Lakers, but, I mean, they really need him. Or a team that could really use a good role player. That's
1: where his role is the best. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't to me i don't see him going back to the lakers because i think he was traded from the lakers to the wizards so i don't think he will go back there but he is a role player that is nice to have he's obviously not the number one scoring guy but he's been he's one of those guys that are quiet he's not he's he's not the number one guy that should be on a team to win you games but he can score for you which is which is good for a basketball player but I want to talk about your nets for uh, for our last basketball team that we talk about, Sam, because Cam Thomas is on a tear and he's one of the top, easily top ten scorers in this league because he's just able to pull it from anywhere and find some strings with it as well and can score you points. How do you what, how do you feel about Cam Thomas, Sam? Like, what are your thoughts? I mean, you guys are three and four. It's not a bad start. You guys just haven't been able to find a groove at home as you're open three at home. But you're 3-4, and four, and you're 8th in the Eastern Conference at this point, but Cam Thomas is getting you buckets, and Macau Bridges has still been solid for you.
2: Well, you talked about being winless at home. Guys, this team should have won every game so far this season. They've blown every game that they've lost. But back to your Cam Thomas point, I am so excited. You know, After losing KD, Harden, and Irving, you know, your hope was lost, but you always had that hope in the back of your mind with, with Cam Thomas. Oh, was he going to take that next stop? But he has. And, you know, us Nets fans, we're just happy to watch him score. We're excited for the future to see what happens. Like, look, it may just be a couple games, first seven games that he's been like this. But, no, he's out a pace to attempt to score in the NBA. I mean, when was the last time the Nets drafted someone that they could proudly say, this is our guy He's a scorer of the NBA,
1: top. 10 to say at least. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, Doc, do you think this is a fluke from Cam Thomas, or do you think that he's going to keep growing from this? Um,
0: fluke, no. Do I think that it's going to maintain? No, but I don't think he's just going to drop, start dropping ten points. He's, I, I think he can sit around that twenty-five points per game, thirty, maybe even up to thirty points per game. We kind of always see a couple weird players have be in that range. Um, including like Demar Derozan a couple years ago, yeah. Um, With the Bradley Beal was like one of the best. Even like these guys are very good players, and I'm not saying that you know it's random. But Cam Thomas is a very good player as well. Uh, he, he he can he takes shots at all angles, and you you, you can't make him unconfident. He's confident in himself, and Nets need scoring because Mikhail Bridges. As much as I love him, you can't really count on him to be a true number one scoring option. Uh, And then, obviously, you're playing with Ben Simmons. You know, you're not going to get too many scoring outputs from him. And you also play with Nick Claxton. So, the scoring's got to come from somewhere. And I think the scoring could consistently come from Cam Thomas. So, I think that it's not a fluke. And I think he'll keep it up. And as long as he keeps getting minutes, he's not the best defender, which kind of makes him get benched a lot, which is why we're maybe finally seeing him because you're just like, you know, the Nets don't have any expectations, really. So, Let's just let our young players ball, and that's what they're doing, and I I think that's what they'll continue to do, and I think you'll continue to put points on the scoreboard.
1: Yeah, and it's been nice to see this Nets team kind of find a rhythm after all the drama they've had with, as Sam said, with Kyrie, Harden, as well as Durant. So it's good to see them in the middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference. And I want to talk about um, the uh, Thursday Night Football uh, that is coming up tomorrow. Um, not one of the matchups that we would like to see on Thursday Night Football, as it's the Bears versus the Panthers, and that game will be at Soldier Field. Two teams that have been on a struggle um, and can't really find a groove with their quarterback. Justin Fields still hurt, And but Justin Fields, even when he has been healthy, hasn't been the quarterback that we would like to see from him. Bryce Young, 1-7 with the Panthers. He hasn't been finding a groove, and uh, Sam, when we were uh, on offsides on Monday when I filled in for Aaron, we were talking about what would have happened if the Panthers uh, switched their number one pick to C.J. Stroud. Would they be in the same situation? So I want to ask that question to you since the Panthers are playing tomorrow. Do you think that C.J. Stroud would be at the same level that he is if he was playing for the Carolina Panthers?
2: 1,000%, Jack. Going into this draft. I was very high on C.J. Stroud. And no, I did not think he was going to be this good right out of the gate, but you know, Brace Young has been nothing about disappointment. If you put C.J. Stroud on this Panthers team, you look at their schedule, it's a pretty easy schedule schedule-wise, and I think there would be three and four. Uh, well, I mean, look. That,
1: you, pit, that Saints game, they should have won.
2: They, they should have won the Saints game. You would have won the Falcons game. That's 2-0. Oh. The Seahawks game, they probably would have won that game. You scored 27 points with with bright pressure Shot my front braid far and then the rest of the <laughs> season you go up and down you're a 3 to 4 with team
1: yeah it's they they have they can win these games maybe if they had a different quarterback or maybe even a different offensive scheme doc but it's the the Panthers and Bears are or i mean Adam Thielen even said before the Panther season we could see this team in he said the Super Bowl. Okay, that was I mean he's just uh, saying that. Yeah. Saying. But I mean, I was expecting I honestly like, think with all these small acquisitions the Panthers were making, I was thinking their their uh their uh record would have been flipped a little bit yeah. where they would have a winning record. I don't I was not expecting them to be one and seven, but I was ex I wasn't I was expecting them to see them in the playoffs, yeah. maybe even win the NFC South.
0: Yeah, I mean look, to end last year they look very good. They they were winning games with Sam Darnold. They were running the ball well. Their offensive line looked good, and it bought me in because they added Miles Sanders. They added Adam Thielen. Even though they did lose DJ Moore, they added a quarterback upgrade. I, I, Hayden Bra- Hurst, Bra- too. Bra- Hayden Hurst, Bryce Young instead of Sam Darnold, and I, I, they they got Frank Reich in the building with Josh McCown. They they added, and you were like, oh, they just keep making these additions. It, it's nothing nothing crazy. Like there was no. Big, big move outside Bryce Young, but you were still like, look, they ended the year very well last year. They were winning games, they were playing spoiler, and they ran the ball very well. And you come into this season, their offensive line's one of the worst in the league, if not the worst. Bryce Young's not playing well. The receivers can't get separation, which is not really anything new, especially when you got rid of DJ Moore and replaced him with Adam Thielen. But
2: credit, I mean, credit out of feel. He's a play. Yeah, no, he's ball been balling. Year. But
0: yeah. he he's, he can't be your wide receiver one in twenty twenty three, and that's that's the problem the Panthers run into. And their defense was great last year. Like yeah, their defense was. had a lot of moments. You know, Jeremy Chin, Brian Burns, uh, Jack Thompson. Like all of them were making plays last year, and and that defense played as a unit. And maybe a lot of that had to do with Steve Wilkes, and they lost him, and now, they're. It's back in the gutter. I mean, I thought, like you said, Jack, that I thought they were going to be one of those teams that 7-10, and 8-9, 9-8, and, 9, 9 and 8 if, you know, a couple tips go their way. But, no, we're sitting here, and they're about to give the Chicago Bears a first-round, first overall pick. Yeah. You know,
2: Doc, this is a question for you. You know, we were talking about Ski before. How much of a really good coach is Frank Wright actually? Not. Like, could we just give more credit to Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson in that 2018 Super Bowl run for the Eagles?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna pepper off of that question too because do you th- we we know that Matt Eberflus has, um, uh, he, his he, he has the hot seat for yeah. being fired. Should this have been year. fired two weeks ago. Yeah, and my thing is, is there's not really anything about Frank Reich being on the hot seat, well, but he should be.
0: He should. It's one year. Yeah, but the thing is, is look, man, he, he got fired for a reason from Indianapolis, and he's doing the same thing the second year. Look, Frank Reich kind of always hit a wall. Uh, Wentz had a very good year with that Colts year, and that system was very well. I mean, you had a solid offensive line. You had John the Taylor. You had Pittman. Uh, you had Paris Campbell. And Carson Wentz plus playing smart football alongside great defense. But they, they hit a wall. They lost to the Jags and choked the playoffs away, and then – Last year, it was awful. Watching the Colts was an, an embarrassment last year, and there's a reason he got fired. And I didn't hate the hire. I didn't like it. I hate when they when teams recycle coaches. That's my biggest pet peeve know, about football.
2: I don't always. I think
0: sometimes
2: – well, I think sometimes it's fine. I think it depends on the coach.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously – What do you like, mean
1: by recycle coach?
0: Like, I don't – the Colts fired him. Yeah. That doesn't mean – he's the best guy available because he was already head coach and he had some success as a head coach. Like, I like the hires like the Dolphins with Mike McDaniel, the Eagles with Nick Sirianni. I like hiring I, new guys. The D'Amico yeah. Ryans for the Texans. Like, that's what I like. I don't like rehiring so the you, same. But obviously, it, situation matters because on the other side of the coin, Andy Reid's one of those coaches that got rehired. Doug Peterson's one of those coaches that got rehired. But they also found themselves kind of relearning – like they here's the adjusted difference, to the game, here's the but difference, Frank Reich
1: hasn't. Here's the difference with that is Andy Reid was a top 10 coach um, in the league, top five even yeah. with the Eagles at one point. Um, Doug Peterson was a top coach at one point. I would not say top five, maybe top 10 with the Eagles back in 2018, 2017. My thing is, is Frank Reich, was an offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017 when they won the 2018 Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He, When he was a head coach, he was not a great head coach, oh. as you're saying. Him getting rehired as a coach, it's only because of this Eagles Super Bowl, yeah. and that's the only reason. But when he won that Super Bowl, he was an offensive coordinator, not a head coach, mm-hmm. unlike Andy Reid and Doug Peterson.
0: Yeah, it's a little different. Look, you got to be a leader in a locker room, and I think – to your point about you know Reich not being the best coach and not having the best career, and look, he has excuses like the Colts are not a well ran organization, and they give him a new quarterback every year he was the head coach, and he dealt with the Andrew Luck stuff, but at the same time he has not really helped himself at all, and every big moment the Colts have played they've crumbled and the Panthers, look, I, I'm not going to say I hated the hire right away. I kind of like the hire. I was like, you know, Bryce Young's going to be in a QB, you know, very QB-friendly rooms with Reich, McCown. But it just hasn't worked out. And is it his fault? The roster's awful. But at the same time, he's not doing anything to help himself. You know, he's not yeah. making the best out of the roster he has also. But he also has the worst roster in the league pretty easily. And him and Matty Ruflus are two horrible coaches that, to me, should be fired after this year. But I think Frank Reich will get the benefit of the doubt and and get at least another year. Especially since owners are a little cheap and they don't want to pay his contract out for the next four years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, and looking at the Panthers, too, I mean, he was the offensive genius that the Eagles had for an offensive coordinator. Yeah. But they can't even click on offense. I mean, they average 4.2 yards per game, and with only 2,200 uh, offensive yards, they can't run the ball with Miles Sanders either. Who, who the Eagles? Wait, no, Sanders wasn't on that team yet, right? Sanders didn't, no.
0: Did Sanders didn't come on until the year of Reich was hired. Yeah.
1: So, but still, I mean, these guys were they they were they were almost uh, I guess how would you say like. I mean, they weren't teammates. Colleagues. <but laughs> colleagues, but still, they were on the same team at one point. Yeah. So. I got, uh, uh, the Panthers, it's just
0: a lot. Not many people have been paying attention to them because, you know, you don't pay attention to the bad teams, but it's just rough because, you know, you just keep checking their scores, and they can't, they can't get anything clicking. Like, Bryce Young has yet to have, we're nine nine weeks in, and I think the Panthers have played eight games. I think they have their bye week already. And we've yet to see Bryce Young have, like, an above-average game, and is that on him? Yes, but the coaching's also not getting him layups, and the receivers aren't getting open. The defense can't defend anymore. The offensive line can't block. I mean, find one position that you're excited about on that team outside Brian Burns, and I can't.
2: No uh, safety, Jeremy Chid.
0: But even him, like I thought, he would be bigger than what he is now, and uh, the whole. I thought, you know, he could have been traded the trade deadline because he's not a superstar safety. He's, you know, they're willing to let he's him go. Good, but but he's, he's good, but he's – are yo, you really, like – like, that can't be your second best player No, like, <laughs> I, w- I was
2: just thinking about this. How much of a hole did Matt Rule dig
1: the Panthers in? It was pretty bad, honestly. I mean, the Panthers – it's, it's not even Matt Rule. It's just the Panthers as a whole. They need an entire reset because – the, the Panthers haven't found a way to win, have winning seasons and back-to-back seasons. When they won the, or not even won the Super Bowl, when they made it to the Super Bowl, the next year, they fell off. Mm-hmm. And each, they can't find a way to consistently win. This isn't a coaching problem. This, I mean, it is, I mean, yes it is, but it's just, it's a Panthers problem that they can't figure out for some reason. It's this, it's this looming curse that they have associated with mm-hmm. this team because they don't. They don't know how to win in consistently, at least. Yeah, Be- no one talked about it. They had they were fifteen and one generational talent. They couldn't get him a weapon, it's not one. No, no.
0: They got yeah, Greg Olson. If you want to count him, but they had no vertical threat on the outside. They best threat was Steve Smith, senior. They got handed a gener like the if Cam Newton was in a good organization, we're looking at his career a lot different than what we are how now. How so? Oh, he, he's probably at least a Super Bowl champion once little oh, and then he could have won it more he was a generational talent man for like five years he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league while also changing the way you know teams played football and, and you couldn't defend him um, without a, a game. big game plan and, yeah. and he also and even if he did defend it he could, could truck you over
2: I, I don't think we really appreciate a candidate that has prime. No, we no, didn't. We don't. We, we you just, don't appreciate know, but the most thing was, until it's too late.
1: The problem is with the prime of Cam Newton was it was only one year.
0: He had a couple good years uh, after that, but it wasn't what he
1: It's did.
2: not 2015. Yeah, We, we did, did not appreciate Super t- Cam. At least I did it personally.
1: Yeah, I, I, I found him. I appreciated him. I appreciated him at the say. time. Yeah, I was an appreciation guy for Cam Newton. It was it was fun to watch him, honestly. Watching
0: him made me like a Jalen Hurts fan because they yeah. both wore one. They both kind of had the big body quarterback runs. Yeah. And that's kind of like what made me a fan of most of the quarterbacks I'm a fan of nowadays. And Cam was kind of like the first one. He's like, you're uh, the open, like, you're awakening to, you know,
1: Loving, co- loving quarterback
0: play, you know?
1: Yeah. But I want to – that's actually a good segue because we're talking about guys that we appreciate a lot. We're, we're going to talk about fantasy football for a little bit, and it's relating to the top five. Our top five for today for offsides on this Wednesday edition is top five performances or players that have helped you in your fantasy football leagues. So it just has to help you for your specific teams that you've had in the past – so, does anyone, do you, any of you two want to start? Um, because this is kind of a good segue from Cam Newton to um, guys that we appreciate on our fantasy football teams and how they had really good fantasy primes, I guess. So, um, yeah. does anyone want to start? I don't have a specific order, but if you guys want to get the ground started. or right, I have no. some.
0: I'll probably think of another one as we go along, but right mm-hmm. now I only have four. Okay. And and, and two of them are kind of the same. So, number one, we all know the, the ghost of Christmas, Alvin Kamara, on that one Christmas. I went against him. You went against him. And it was a two-week championship round. So that was the first week of it. And I thought I was buried. I think ESPN gave me like a 25% chance to win, and that felt generous. Next week, keep in mind, I had like Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, like stack on my team. Wow. The Tennessee Titans and mainly Derrick Henry uh, on week 17 that year. He got me two hundred fifty rushing yards and two touchdowns and I think he also had a receiving touchdown as well. So it would have been three touchdowns. And he and wow. I got I, I beat Christmas Alvin Kamara. It's like my proudest moment <laughs> ever. <laughs> like everyone's like I was like, Oh, you remember, you know, when Alvin Kamara had six touchdowns on Christmas, I was like, Yeah, I beat him in fantasy that week. <laughs> you know? Wow. It's one of those. And then number two, I had the more recently one in our league where I traded for David Montgomery and, and DJ Moore for like Ramondre stevenson and i f- i forget who else i think it was a receiver and the first week david montgomery on thursday night football got me 34 points and the next week D- D- dj moore played on thursday night football got me 49 weeks and they both like helped 49 me Forty nine points yeah Oh, four not <laughs> I'm, I'm messing up you're good yeah as uh i ended up winning both those weeks because due to that like i got like a very big lead early on and I went from 0 and three to now five and four in that yeah. league.
1: Good for you, man.
0: Yeah. And then uh my favorite one when get, this is this when I only was really doing family family uh fantasy football in between my family. I was going against my brother, Doug Baldwin. Guys, remember him? Wow, Doug, Doug Baldwin. Baldwin. <laughs> he was going against the Steelers one day. I'll never forget this because he had six catches, 145 yards, and three touchdowns. And that game was at like 425, so it was like the end. And he caught like a 60-yard touchdown pass. Like he took it all the way when he probably shouldn't have. And it, I think it gave me like the win that week. And he's a special dude. I'll never forget Doug Baldwin.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. Oh, do you want me to go next, same or do you? Or do you want to go next? Doesn't matter to me.
0: I'll
2: go next. Why not? Okay, cool. So, one of my proudest moments in fantasy football was getting Patrick Mahomes, but not only when having Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was 2018, 2019. Patrick Mahomes, the proudest moment I ever had of him when he had six passing touchdowns
1: against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. Yeah, that That's a, that's definitely a good one to have. Did you win that? You had to have won that week, right? Oh, I won that Did week. It? Okay, good.
2: Another proud moment. Do you guys remember when Derrick Henry. S- went off and had the 99-yard game on Thursday Night Football.
1: Oh, yeah, against Jacksonville. You had him had that him. week. Yeah, wow.
2: Another proud moment this season is – I can't believe it's even up there. It's a pretty proud moment of when I drafted Tyreek Hill and he went off week one against the Chargers. Mm. Mm, yeah. And then I, this is just a personal moment of mine is the football championship. It went week 18 when I won it, and I had Saquon. I won it because of Saquon did the – Michael Jordan, monster jam, arm extension for the win. Mm. For me at least the Giants lost, but I, I felt good. <laughs> Do you guys remember those like what hit wonders? You're like, oh wait, that that guy did well? Do you guys remember the name of James Jones? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no joke. I pick him up that week because I forgot who was injured. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm gonna lose this week. I'll just pick up some random guy in New England. Maybe he'll get me some goal line touchdown because you know they always have those goal line touchdowns, and he goes off, and I won that week.
1: Wow, special. That is special.
0: Um, I forgot. So- I gotta add my fifth one. I just thought of it. I had a Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham stack when they were like, like one of my first years playing football, and I he he won me him and I had like Matt Forte. Um, Dude, that team was so good. That team was so good that I literally got a Drew Brees fathead uh, poster in my room (laughs) after because I won the championship. I was on top of the world. Wow. You gave, like, a 10-year-old, you know, just all that happiness and (laughs) and glory. I became, became, like, an honorary Saints fan after
1: that. Yeah. Well, I'll go to my list, um, and I think mine is more – it's more – I guess, personal to me because they've won me championships. It was Week 16, Week 17, Week 18 um, stat lines that have came up clutch for me. Um, but one guy that's my honorable mention um, that has helped me, that has been consistent every time I drafted him is Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's just been a guy that's just you can rely on. Every time that you start him, gets you 15 points minimum, there'll be some games where he gets 30 and it's nice. But also, he's just... Always getting you quality fantasy points as Aaron Hook is lurking at us through the uh, <laughs> production studio window. But I'll go into my top five. No really order for this one. But do you guys remember when uh, I? This is Doc. I know this will hurt you a little bit, but um, the when Amari Cooper had 52 fantasy points against the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you remember that, Doc? When Amari Cooper went off on the Eagles? Yeah. yeah. Was that 2020? That was 2018. Dude, he owned us like five times. So. Yeah. But, yeah. I oh. had him on my fantasy team. Wow. So, I was like...
0: That, oh. I had him all the time. I, I love yeah. Amara Cooper. I actually did draft... He's like one of the only Cowboys I've really ever drafted.
1: Yeah. He, you he draft Cowboys? I mean... We, I'm, in I'm in a league where you can't i'm in a league where you can't so tony pollard w, <laughs> w league yeah there's a there's He's a, been disappointing anyway so there's a league where uh you when you lose uh, a league or lose a year you have to wear a, uh, Micah parsons jersey on every time they play the cowboys so um don't don't look at me when uh when cowboys <laughs> games are on so uh i'll just say that but uh stefan diggs um he was clutch for me against new england back in 2020 Week 16, sixteen, forty one and a half points, and a guy that um well, I, that I had him paired up with in that week sixteen matchup, and this is and I'm in the final, I'm in like the Super Bowl of fantasy football in this league. Um, I had Miles Gaskin from the Dolphins, running back, who wasn't even really supposed to be like the starting running back that season, yeah, but he got the role because of injuries, and he got me thirty three point nine, but that combined with Stefan really clutched up for me, yeah. um. I had Jamar Chase when he had 55 points against the Chiefs, and one guy that has always been, uh, I always wanted to draft him each year if I have a top three pick if I can, just because of past history with him. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey.
0: That's me with Derrick Henry. Yeah, he's my he's my little baby.
1: I've drafted <laughs> C- I've drafted CMC first round pick in every like i've had the first round pick for like three out of four years and i've drafted him two out of the three years that's crazy and he's done wonders for me so um every actually both times i draft first time i drafted him or no i've had him i drafted him three out of five times and all three times i drafted him first round was i won that league so he he has been Shout out to them, man. Yeah. I we mean, all, we
0: all got our little heroes.
1: Yeah, so for you it's it's Henry. It's it's Derek Henry by a mile. And AJ Brown was one of them. Who who would it be for you, Sam? Your hero, I guess.
2: Patrick Mahopes.
1: Patrick, <laughs> all right. So um but yeah, everyone's got their little fantasy hero that uh that they have. Um and for me it would be Christian McCaffrey. But that's gonna do it for this offsides episode, this Wednesday edition. Always like getting into fantasy football talks as well as Thursday night football of what's to come and what's coming up this rest of the week for uh, the world of football. We got into some NBA talks as well with Joel Embiid and what's to come with this NBA season, who's potentially going to be on this trade deadline and whatnot, and who can be consistent and who might fall off a little bit as well. But for Aiden Doherty, Sam Prince, I'm Jack Miller. Thank you guys for tuning in to Offsides and have a great rest of your Wednesday night. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports
0: Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio
1: 89.7
0: WGLS-FM.